Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Patty Vaughn disappeared on Wednesday, December 25th, 1996. When a person disappears without a trace, often the most critical information is hidden in their actions and words from the days before they vanished. Patty Vaughn's last known whereabouts may hold the clues to what happened to her. When a dedicated mother's minivan is found abandoned on the side of the road, panic ensues. She had been gone for more than 24 hours. I kept thinking I was gonna look in one of those drainage ditches and Patty was gonna be in there. Investigators soon find hints of foul play there was blood found in the van. And then, a look into Patty Vaughn's past reveals a complicated love triangle. They had a huge fight. She got angry, got in her van, and left. Could problems in a relationship have led to murder? I don't think anybody else has the motive or the opportunity. You just can't focus on one person. We are going to solve this case. It is Christmas Eve, 1996, near San Antonio, Texas, where the festive city streets are glowing with holiday cheer. At Lavernia United Methodist Church, 32-year-old mother of three, Patty Vaughn, performs for an intimate Christmas celebration. Patty has probably been singing before she talked. She had just a very sweet, soothing voice, almost like a songbird. She really enjoyed it. You know, they just created such great music together. Patty was very proud of her music group. Singing with them was one of the things in life that gave her peace. Church was huge in Patty's life. Patty's relationship with God was right up there with her relationship with her children. While Patty carols on the altar, her husband Jerry Ray Vaughn and their three young children watch from the pews. Although the Vaughn's marriage has been strained lately, 
they are committed to keeping their relationship amicable. Patty would never complain. You look at her family, and it was cookies and cream. Everything was perfect. But once the service ends, Patty and JR, who have been separated for over two months, part ways. Patty and the children head over to her aunt's house, where they will meet up with Patty's old flame, a man named Gary, while JR drives back to his apartment in San Antonio. It was going to be a wonderful Christmas because we were going to have Patty and Gary and the children. Patty Vaughn and Gary's relationship has a long and complicated history. Patty was 18 years old in 1982 when she met Gary. She fell in love with the young Texan after moving to San Antonio with her family. They had mad, crazy love for each other back then. They had quite a serious relationship. And I think had circumstances been different, I think they probably would have stayed together. But a few months after they had been seeing each other, his ex-girlfriend came to him and told him that she was pregnant with his child. And out of a sense of obligation, he broke it off with Patty. Patty was devastated, was totally devastated. Emotionally scarred from the breakup, Patty kept herself busy. She was waiting tables while attending classes at a community college. She was working at a little hamburger joint. JR came into the establishment. He was a little bit older than Patty. Then uh, they had known each other for a couple of years and got married. Patty and JR Vaughn were married on May 18, 1985. For 11 and a half years, the couple worked at making a life together. They had a family construction contracting business and three children. But despite many solid years together, by the fall of 1996, Patty realized she was unhappy. She was being torn apart inside and everything was falling apart, but my brother best described it as her being a one-legged duck, smooth and graceful on top, but paddling like hell underneath. Finally, on Columbus Day weekend, 1996, Patty and Jerry Ray decided it was time to separate and reevaluate their marriage. By the end of October, JR had moved out of the family home in Lavernia and into an apartment in San Antonio. She stayed in, in the family home. That was a mutual decision between Patty and JR, I think, at the time, for the sake of the children. And I remember when we knew that they really had separated, it was like the weight of the world had been lifted from her shoulders and she was happy. And then, just weeks after the separation, Patty confided in her cousin Kathy that she had been communicating again with the man who had captured her heart so many years earlier. She had told me that Gary had divorced and that she was really excited because they were talking again. I think it was just part of her remembering who she was, you know, remembering all the good stuff about herself. When Patty, Gary, and her children arrive at Aunt Jean's house on Christmas Eve, the celebration has already begun. Patty worries how the new man in her life will be received. Patty felt very guilty because she was still married to JR. And that part of her, that conscience, that moral issue was, was always there with her. Am I doing the right thing? Am I going to be called a bad mother? but her family welcomes them both with open arms. Basically, we all just always told her, you're a good person, you know what's right for your life, so just follow your heart. 
as far as Christmas Eve at the house. I mean, it was, it was perfect. The party comes to an end around midnight. The family wishes each other a Merry Christmas and says their goodbyes. Patty gave me a big old hug and said, okay, I'll talk to you tomorrow. And that was it. I mean, it was no different than any other night. But unbeknownst to all, this is the last Christmas they will ever share together. After an 11-year marriage, Patty Vaughn and her husband, JR, have decided to split up. Although conflicted about her decision to separate, Patty has been seeing an old boyfriend. On Christmas Eve 1996, Patty openly shares her rekindled relationship with her extended family. All goes well. At the end of the night, the family exchanges hugs and wishes each other a Merry Christmas. We really didn't make any plans for Christmas Day because we knew that her plans were to have JR over. It's Christmas morning, and Patty's husband JR arrives at the family home around 8 o'clock. Despite their recent difficulties, Patty and JR have agreed that it's best to spend Christmas Day together as a family for the sake of their children. He was to arrive early in the morning, do the Santa Claus thing with the children, and then they were having dinner with the Vaughn family at their home later in the afternoon. If all goes well, Patty and her boyfriend Gary will spend time together Christmas night after the Vaughn clan leaves to go home. Her aunt will take care of her children. She had made plans later to go to a movie, and we were supposed to babysit the children. But Christmas Day turns to night, and Patty never shows up to drop off the kids as planned, nor does she call to cancel. Wasn't surprised that I didn't hear from her and just figured with everything going on and with all of her in-laws coming over, I just figured maybe everything was going great and they were playing with the kids and having a nice dinner. We really didn't, didn't panic a lot until my daughter got the phone call the next day. The day after Christmas, Patty's cousin Kathy and her mother are at home when the phone rings. It's a call that will change their family's lives forever. JR called me on the evening of the 26th. When I answered the phone, he immediately asked me what time it was, then asked me if I'd seen Patty. JR tells her no one has heard from Patty for over 24 hours. He said that she had been gone since the previous day, that they had had a huge fight, that they had been fighting off and on all day Christmas Day, and that she got angry, got in her van, and left. She had been gone for more than 24 hours, and we were just now finding out about it. From what JR tells Kathy, he was not initially worried because he thought Patty had been with Gary. But then, JR breaks bewildering news to Kathy. He tells her Patty's minivan was found abandoned earlier that day, 17 miles from their home. The blue-gray Dodge Caravan was left on the side of the road with a flat tire. Patty's boss was heading back to work after lunch when he noticed the minivan sitting idly on the shoulder. He recognized the vehicle as Patty's and expected to find her at the office just two miles down the country road. But Patty wasn't there. 
Nobody there had seen her. It was one of her bosses who had called JR and said, hey, Patty's van's sitting on the side of the road with a flat tire, and Patty didn't show up for work. They were concerned, too, very concerned, because that was not like Patty to not come to work and, and not call. He notified Patty's husband, Jerry Vaughn, who was, I guess, willing to meet him halfway to give him a set of keys uh, to the van. Patty's husband told her boss over the phone that he didn't have time to drive to where the minivan was found. He was on his way to file for divorce. His plan was to shock Patty into abandoning her relationship with Gary by presenting her with divorce papers. On his way to begin the proceedings, JR met Patty's boss to hand over the keys so the minivan could be moved. Her employer just changed a flat tire, took it to the shop, and it was later found out that, you know, nobody knew where Patty was. Later that day, when Patty's cousin Kathy gets off the phone with JR, she shares the baffling news of Patty's departure with her mother. Right away, they are extremely concerned and start making frantic phone calls to track down Gary, the man Patty has been seeing. He had not seen Patty since Christmas Eve night at our house. He was totally in a state of shock and immediately came to our house to offer to help in any way he could. Whether Gary is being truthful or not, she is still missing. There was obviously something wrong. You know, Patty was missing. Kathy calls the Bear County Sheriff's Office to file a missing persons report. The family fears Patty might have been abducted after asking the wrong person for help on the side of the road. But since she has not yet been missing for 72 hours, there is not much police can do. She hadn't been missing long enough. You know, her being over the age of 18, she can come and go as she pleases. After several calls, police finally agreed to take a missing persons report over the phone. Then, feeling helpless, Kathy and a friend head out into the dark of night to the place on the side of the road where Patty's van was left with a flat tire. Patty would have fought like heck if somebody had grabbed her, so there's gotta be a shirt sleeve or a shoe or a, you know something somewhere, and so we just walked with the flashlight out there looking. Honestly, I kept thinking I was going to look in one of those drainage ditches and Patty was going to be in there. You know, maybe beat up, raped, I don't know, but she was going to be in there because it doesn't happen to your family. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. 
Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hey, it's Janice from Warner Brothers Discovery. Have you ever heard the expression, perfect is the enemy of good? I think about that a lot, especially when it comes to my body and health, because perfect does not exist. It's a total trap. Noom isn't into this perfection thing either. Its unique approach is tailored to each person's psychology and biology. From coaching to recipes, Noom's app provides personalized information to help you on your journey, no one else's journey. I also think it's great that Noom doesn't restrict what you can eat, and it doesn't shame you for treating yourself. And treat yourself, you should. What's more, Noom's approach is grounded in science. They've even published more than 30 peer-reviewed scientific articles about how they work. To date, Noom has helped more than 5.2 million people lose weight by helping them build new habits for a healthier lifestyle. So why not give it a try? Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com. And check out Noom's first-ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for 100 healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. 24 hours after Patty Vaughn's family sees her alive and well at a get-together on Christmas Eve, the 32-year-old mother is nowhere to be found. Jerry Ray Vaughn, Patty's estranged husband, was the last known person to see her on Christmas Day. He says she stormed out of the house after a volatile day of arguing. But Patty's extended family senses something is deeply wrong. They don't believe she would have left her three young children and not returned home. These three children are her life? And she's going to get mad enough to walk out and leave them? Not in a million years. Jean, Patty's aunt, starts to make calls to see if anyone has heard from Patty since Christmas. She begins with Patty's immediate family living in Georgia and finds that Patty's youngest sister did indeed talk to her on Christmas Day. I called her Christmas. It was probably about 10.30 Texas time. JR answered the phone. Jeannie wished him a Merry Christmas, told him she loved him, and asked to speak to her sister, Patty. He put Patty on the phone. And I could tell she had been crying, and she tried to tell me she had a cold. But I knew, you know, I knew the difference, so I let it go. Jeannie had formerly lived with Patty and JR and was very close to her sister's family. He was a really nice guy. We had a good relationship. He was more of a brother than an in-law. I asked him to give me away at, at my wedding when I grew up, so. But Jeannie was aware that Patty and JR's separation had not been easy. So when she heard the heaviness in her sister's voice on Christmas Day, she couldn't help but worry. She assured me once again before we got off the phone that everything was fine, and that was the last time I talked to her. That call only makes her family more concerned and desperate for answers. Two days later, Patty's cousins, Barb and Kathy, head out to Quinney Electric, Patty's employer, where the minivan has been sitting since the previous day. But when the sisters inspect what is believed to be a blown-out tire, what they find changes the game in the search for their cousin. Had Patty been driving to work down that road and gotten a blowout or a flat tire, there would have been some damage to the tire and to the rim. It was perfect. It looks like it went flat right where it sat. 
to test their theory, the tire is reinflated. As they suspect, it holds air. Patty's cousin Kathy once again calls the police, who now agree to open an investigation before the 72-hour period passes. Investigator Adrian Ramirez, at the time an evidence technician, is one of the first to examine the car back in 1996. The tire didn't appear to have any damage to it. It didn't have any kind of tearing on it. It didn't have any kind of markings on it, uh, which led us to believe somebody uh, intentionally let the air out of that tire. It does not take long for the CSI team to conclude what they have on their hands is much more than a woman who voluntarily left her family. The van was extremely clean, which caught our attention. Considering the vehicle carts around three children under the age of 10, this cleanliness is a red flag. The interior of the van appeared to be washed out, uh, some type of detergent or water. Um, there was water in the actual van itself. It's a colored stained water. Samples were taken from all, all through the van. Police suspect the muddied water in the van is tainted with blood, but they can't be sure. They submit samples for testing to the Bear County Forensics Lab. Next, the investigators dust for fingerprints. The vehicle seems to have been wiped clean, but they eventually recover a single set of prints that are not Patty's. After checking local and national records, investigators cannot determine whom they belong to. While the Bear County Police Department is involved in processing Patty's van, Jean, Kathy, and Barb are working nonstop to mobilize a search team. Patty's husband stays home to mind the children. The first day, we had, I think, over 500 volunteers just through the local media. By the end of the day on Friday, December 27th, hundreds of people have gathered at the location where Patty's van was found. Barb and her mother, Jean, head over to Patty's house to obtain scent articles for the search dogs. While there, Patty's cousin, Barb, has a brief encounter with Patty's nine-year-old daughter. She ran out and hugged me and she was very upset, and I said, it's okay, we'll find your mommy. As the clock ticks, Barb and Jean know the chances of Patty being found alive are fading fast. They head back to the search headquarters to deliver the scent articles. They had some dogs that had a scent towards a pond in the area where her van was found. The handler follows her dog, Vip, to a small stock pond that's 50 feet wide and three feet deep. It's a place well hidden off the country road. Could someone have disposed of Patty's body here after dumping her car? The search begins at the pond. They had the Bear County dive team and other uh, assistance from different organizations. Any search was conducted in the pond area. We did drag the pond. There was nothing there. Although the pond yields no new evidence, the search teams expand their hunt to the surrounding areas. No stone is left unturned. Complete strangers came to help our family. I can't tell you how many trash cans we jumped in. Dump sites, quarries, places that you, know, you just would never think you would have to look for somebody that you care about. On Sunday, December 29th, the official search for the missing mother of three ends.
When Patty Vaughn's minivan is found with a flat tire on the side of the road, almost 24 hours after she is last seen, her family believes Patty might have been abducted. But it quickly becomes clear that the air was deliberately let out of the tire, and there appear to be traces of blood in the van. A three-day search for the missing woman has turned up nothing. Investigators move quickly to question anyone in Patty's life who could have had motive to make her disappear. In a case like this, you have to go in with an open mind. We strongly believe this was somebody that Patty knew, that Patty was very close to. Investigators know that there are two very important men in Patty's life. J.R., her estranged husband, and Gary, Patty's former boyfriend, who is now back in her life. They start by questioning Gary. Police learn that Gary drove by Patty's house the day she went missing, when they weren't supposed to see each other until later that night. He and his sister had been out driving for whatever reason, and he asked his sister if they could drive by Patty's house. According to Patty's aunt, Gary says that he saw Patty's minivan and JR's truck in the driveway. The kids were out playing in the front yard. Is it possible that seeing the Vaughn family together on Christmas made him jealous? Patty's family says there is no way that Gary could be involved in Patty's disappearance. We heard rumors that Patty had decided to reconcile with JR, and Gary couldn't stand that, so he had decided to do away with her. Um, just, just crazy, crazy, crazy scenarios. The fact that he was with his entire family all day Christmas and into the night, way after the hour that Patty supposedly left in her van, you know, kind of blows a hole in that theory. The first person that helped us look for her was Gary. He volunteered to the police, please give me a lie detector test. He was with us on almost every search. He helped pass out flyers. He was a big part of that. Gary denies having a part in Patty's disappearance. He passes a polygraph and gives no reason for police to believe he is a suspect. But because of the nature of his relationship to Patty, it is impossible to rule him out entirely. His eventual death in a tragic car accident will keep police wondering. Gary, like anybody else, has always been considered a person of interest. As investigators dig deeper into Gary and Patty's relationship, they look into an incident that happened just two weeks before Patty went missing. It makes them concerned that more people, other than just J.R. or Gary, may have been upset with Patty Vaughn at the time of her disappearance. A member of their church out in Lavernia had seen Patty having lunch with Gary at a Dairy Queen, a very romantic place to have lunch and uh, went back and reported to the minister at the church that Patty was a married woman and he didn't think it was proper for a married woman to be having lunch with a man other than her husband. Later that week, while rehearsing at church with her Christian folk singing group, Patty is publicly scorned because of her alleged infidelities. The minister of the church called Patty in at choir practice one evening in front of all of the members and told her that she did not deserve to represent the church as a member of the singing group. That started a snowball in the community. She had nothing to hide. She didn't think she did, you know, until the church ostracized her like they did. 
there was a lot of division from what we understand. Some opinion was that this friend that she had was not a good idea because she was still technically married. There's other opinion to where, well, they were already in the midst of a separation and gonna get divorced. There were a lot of personal attacks on Patty, and that's something she had to struggle with. While hundreds of volunteers continue to flock to the fields, searching for any sign of Patty, investigators are honing in on the Vaughn residence, the last place Patty was seen alive. The Bear County Sheriff's Department Crime Scene Unit pays Jerry Ray Vaughn a visit later that day. Jerry gave his consent to, to process the residence. Everything seemed to be normal. Uh, we then examined uh, different areas of the interior of the residence. The evidence technicians make their way through the Vaughn's home to search Patty and JR's bedroom. According to JR, Patty spent a good portion of the afternoon on Christmas Day in the bedroom, upset. The emotional upheaval started early on Christmas morning, soon after JR arrived. He says the fighting between him and his wife began over Patty's new relationship with her old boyfriend and how it was spilling over into their family life. He felt that it was wrong that his children be subjected to that and they weren't even divorced. As the fighting between JR and Patty escalated, it became increasingly clear that hosting the Vaughn family for Christmas was not the best idea. When JR's sister Marilyn and her son showed up for dinner, JR told them Patty wasn't feeling well and asked them to take the children over to his younger sister's house for Christmas dinner. When the children left with their aunt, Patty and JR remained in the house alone. We believe that Patty and, uh, and Jerry Vaughn needed some time to talk, and they were probably uh, going to work on some things. But according to JR, this was when the arguing turned into an all out war, culminating with divorce threats. He had threatened her that with what he had on her, not only could he take back control of his house, he could take his children too, and she would never see them again. According to JR, his goal was to show Patty he meant business and that it was high time to stop exhibiting inappropriate behavior around their children. Supposedly, she grabbed her purse and her keys and left, and nobody has seen any of those items. There are no witnesses that, that have come forward that can tell us they saw Patty leave that residence. JR believes Patty became the victim of foul play after she left the house. Four days later, the CSI team enters Patty and JR's bedroom, one of the last places Patty was seen before she vanished. They notice several stained indentations in the linoleum floor and begin their testing with luminol, a chemical used to indicate the possible presence of blood. Relegated to a neighbor's yard, Patty's anxious family members look on from afar. We knew that they were going to be doing the luminol test and we wanted to be right there in case they found anything. But according to police, JR's sister Marilyn is inside the house and interrupts the investigation with a barrage of questions. At that particular time when we first processed the residence, um, there was some type of interference with the sister. Um, and she's being protective of her brother. While one officer leads Marilyn out of the bedroom, the other continues the luminol testing. What he finds could be proof that something violent happened there. 
there are visible positive results in the master bedroom, closet, and bathroom. But knowing that Luminol also detects cleaning detergents, it is impossible to say if the reaction is from blood or bleach. Luminol not only reacts to blood, it also reacts to copper and other chemicals such as bleach. So it is strictly a tool to help you search for any kind of biological evidence. Then, according to police, further disruptions from JR's sister while examining the positive results in the bathroom caused them to leave. The next day, when the search continues, the evidence technicians return to the areas where the luminol test was positive. They then follow a trail on the bedroom floor to uncover a few drops of blood. A bucket and mop in the garage also test positive under luminol. Some blood evidence had been found behind a baseboard of the master bedroom. It was hard not to think that something horrible had happened in that house. But investigators cannot be sure. They must now prove the blood found in the van and in the house is in fact Patty's blood. And if it is, with only a small amount of blood discovered, it will be hard to prove a crime was committed in the Vaughn's home. What makes it tough here also is that unless there is an abundance amount of blood at a crime scene, it doesn't give you the amount you need to consider a person deceased. Patty's family isn't as cautious in its assessment of the evidence against JR. The house was never cordoned off as a crime scene. When they found the blood in the home and the blood in the van and she was missing, they allowed JR and his sister Marilyn to be in the home while they searched. And there's something not right there. Young Texan mother, Patty Vaughn, has been missing four days, and police have probable cause to call it homicide. Blood found both in her minivan and behind a baseboard in her bedroom is a strong indicator to investigators that Patty has met a violent end. But just as the investigation into Patty Vaughn's disappearance seems to be heating up, there is a jurisdictional issue. Although the abandoned van was in Bear County, the Vaughn house is not. Just weeks after Patty goes missing, former detective for the Wilson County Sheriff's Department, John Martinez, is handed the case. After reviewing the details of the investigation, he asks to speak to J.R. Vaughn. The interview took approximately four hours. It was a uh, roller coaster interview, a lot of discrepancies, a lot of voids. At the time of the interview, I was not convinced with any of Mr. Vaughn's answers. It is becoming apparent to JR that people are beginning to point the finger at him as the reason why his wife is missing. He says he has no clue why there was blood in the van since whatever happened to Patty transpired after she left the house Christmas night. As for the blood in the bedroom, he insists he has nothing to hide and has no idea where it came from. Shortly thereafter, he retained an attorney and was advised never to give another statement. A polygraph was offered to him, which he declined. Knowing he might be the only surviving parent, JR says he feels he must protect himself at all costs. I would say that Jerry Vaughn is one of our main persons of interest. It would have to take a serious amount of explaining as to questions we have regarding 
the incident on Christmas Day. JR hasn't had to explain anything. JR has made all the rules. There has been no explanation as to why the van was cleaned out and or the presence of blood at both scenes. Although most people connected to the case believe that tests will soon verify the presence of Patty's blood, results are still pending. In the meantime, without any hard evidence against JR, police are unable to name him a suspect. But as the investigation continues, they receive information that makes them suspicious. Two days before Patty goes missing, he makes plans to vacate his apartment. In a letter dated December 23rd, JR asks his landlord to break his lease. Although he tells police it was because the area felt unsafe, the timing of the letter makes them question his actions. He moved back in the day Patty disappeared. And three days later, her voice was changed on the voicemail and his clothes were in the closet. JR says his move back into the family home on December 25th was not planned. The heated fight between him and his wife pushed him to the limit. He told her to get out. Supposedly after she stormed out after a heated argument on Christmas night, he called a locksmith to change the locks. JR was standing his ground and he was gonna take back what was his, which was his home and his children. More than three months after Patty disappeared, police finally have the test results confirming that the blood found both in the van and the house has indeed been identified as Patty Vaughn's. But that is still not enough for an indictment. There's not a body. There's no evidence that connects the two. And it's very hard to present that to a grand jury and try to make a case. Nonetheless, JR's increasingly uncooperative behavior keeps family and investigators acutely alert. We were not allowed back in the home and we were allowed to see the children again. The children were not allowed to be questioned, whether it be at the school or whether it be at the church. Their father made it a point when they attended Bible studies that he was there. As an investigator, sends a red flag. But JR says that police had not asked to question the children and he has cut off contact with certain members of Patty's family because he is aware they think he might have harmed Patty. He would not leave the house. He would not help us on the searches. JR was getting members from the search parties to call him and give him updates, where you're searching, how long you're gonna be there, where you searching tomorrow. You would think that a person would be more involved in a search. However, everybody reacts different. Some will help. Some will decide to stay away and let the authorities do it. According to JR, he was advised by a police officer to stay away from the searches. If anything tied to Patty was found, he would not want his DNA anywhere near the crime scene. As the investigation continues, police must keep an open mind. They continue to question people Patty knew and chase down every possible lead, which brings them back to the Vaughn's property. One of the leads that we received was that uh, the body could be in a septic tank on the property. We obtained a search warrant, uh, evidentiary search warrant for the property. And after searching, it was inconclusive. We searched and talked to neighbors and so forth. Uh, no one heard anything, no one saw anything. But then, weeks after Patty disappears, one tip stands out among the rest. A call has come in referencing an elementary school 
that was being built around the Christmas holidays, 45 miles from Lavernia in Pleasanton. The supervisor of the construction site was J.R. Vaughn. Our office received information that Mr. Vaughn was a contractor and they felt suspicious of some work that was being conducted right around the same time frame that this missing persons report came through. We had found out where JR's job site was. And when we got there, there were some workers that were hired by JR that were pouring concrete and uh, they wanted us to go away. We talked to a couple of employees who had said that, uh, that JR had done something that was totally out of character for him and said that he would oversee the concrete trucks in certain areas pouring the concrete. The information was that Ms. Vaughn might be in a cement slab because they found it odd that they were pouring cement at a certain time frame, certain date. JR denies these claims and says the pour dates had been scheduled well in advance and executed as planned. Close to four months after Patty's family finds out about the school construction site, investigators bring in the Texas Rangers and a team from Dallas to use ground-penetrating radar. They check for any anomalies in the concrete, and they find them. We bored some holes in cement. Had a cadaver dog out there, and at the time, the cadaver dog did not alert on any suspicious odors. So that kind of turned out at the time as an inconclusive search. Patty's family is not convinced the search was done thoroughly. They believe there's a good chance Patty's body could still be there. You're not going to destroy a multi-million dollar project that the county and the citizens paid for, no matter how many bodies might be buried here. Following the Pleasanton school search, the case of the missing mother goes cold. Eight years after Patty goes missing, JR files for her death certificate. JR says he had Patty pronounced deceased because by that time he was legally permitted to do so. But when Patty's family finds out, they are devastated and file a wrongful death suit against JR. At stake is the payout from Patty's life insurance policy. On December 8, 2005, the case is resolved. The life insurance money goes to Patty's children, and all claims against JR are denied. This defeat does not stop Patty's family from looking for her. They have continued to follow every lead on their own dime. Our last big search, we dug up a huge portion of a field uh, that's soon to be used as a cemetery plot. The tip was uh, the land had been leased by the construction company that Jared was working for to dump excess like concrete and trash. Sooner or later, we'll find her, we'll find out what happened to her. We won't stop until we do, though. Detective Adrian Ramirez and his partner have the same zeal for solving Patty's disappearance. Now cold case homicide detectives, the duo inherited the case in 2007 when it was returned to Bear County from Wilson County. We are going to keep working. We'll continue for the sake of Patty's children and her loved ones. We are going to solve this case. Meanwhile, J.R. Vaughn says that by concentrating on him as Patty's killer, the investigation into his wife's disappearance has taken a wrong turn from the beginning, 
allowing the real killer to have gotten away with murder. Despite the rift that Patty's disappearance has caused, JR and her family can agree on one truth. They all deserve to know why Patty was taken from them that fateful Christmas day. We may never have the answers, but it won't be for lack of us trying because Patty deserved so much more. She was such a good person, such a good mother, such a good niece, cousin, sister, friend. Patty was the one that kept everybody together. She just wanted to make everybody happy, you know? She really did. She had so much light in her and she had so much to give. And I just can't imagine what her life would have become had she been allowed to live it. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.